0: Welcome to Drive Time Talks, Toyota's exclusive podcast for our policy drivers, the team members driving policy decisions for Toyota. This is Donna Rudy from Government Affairs coming to you from Washington, D.C. Presidential elections have taken place during times of war and times of recession, but this is a very different time. In this special episode of Drive Time Talks, Stephen Sacone, Group Vice President of Government Affairs, talks about the 2020 election in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Let's talk about the political landscape this election compared to 2016. There are so many things that have changed, but can you tell us something that hasn't changed? 2016 seems a lifetime ago. You know, come to think of it, 2019
1: seems a lifetime ago. But just like last time, This election will come down to a few swing states, and the swing states haven't changed. They're Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. In 2016, Donald Trump won them all. If every other state votes the same way in 2020 than they did in 2016, he can afford to lose two of these four swing states and still win, unless one of them is Florida, in which case he would need to win all of the other three states in order to win.
0: Is it possible that the other 46 non-swing states vote the same way in 2020 as they did in 2016?
1: Sure. Most states are firmly in the blue or red column. The Democrats do better in the coastal states like California, Oregon, Washington, New York, and the New England states. The Republicans do better in the south and in the center of the country. You're unlikely to see Alabama, Mississippi, Kansas, or Nebraska vote for a Democratic candidate in 2020.
0: And why is that?
1: We could spend a lot of time exploring the roots of the political divide in the country. Suffice it to say that the Democrats do better with voters who are diverse, female, younger, and urban. Republican voters tend to be white, male, older, and rural. So you're unlikely to see a Republican win in California or New York anytime soon, just as you are unlikely to see a Democrat win in North Dakota or South Carolina.
0: You mentioned how 2019 seems a lifetime ago. What changed on the political landscape since we watched the ball drop in Times Square celebrating the arrival of 2020? As
1: we entered the new decade, none of us were thinking that we were on the verge of a pandemic the economy appeared rock solid with a stock market near record highs and unemployment near record lows. Most of us were making new year's resolutions based on the expectation that the good times would continue to roll. President Trump believed that his ace in the hole for the 2020 election was a strong economy. Americans almost never vote against an incumbent president when the economy is good. And the Democrats seemed poised to select a self-described socialist as their candidate who would have had a tough time attracting moderate voters.
0: Amazing to think how different things looked mere 100 days ago.
1: Yeah, the word that comes to mind is surreal. In any event, I don't think there's any question. The 2020 election will be a referendum on how President Trump handles the COVID-19 virus. Using his own words, this will be the toughest decision of his life. He has to decide when and how to turn the economy back on. If he does it too soon and there is a surge in new infections and lives lost, he risks another lockdown, a deeper economic crisis, and claims that he is callous about American lives. But if he waits too long, the economy may be so far gone that there's no chance for recovery before the election, in which case he's almost certain to lose. Whatever your feeling is about the president, this is an era-defining decision, and no one can claim that they know the perfect answer. Meanwhile, no matter what the president does, the governors have a lot of power to keep their state closed, although President Trump has disputed that point.
0: There's no question that President Trump faces a tough decision. What about Joe Biden? How does this pandemic change his campaign?
1: The strategic dilemma for Joe Biden starts with when to go out in public. He has been at his home in Delaware, staying safe as we were all supposed to do. He doesn't have any official government position, so he can't do much aside from saying what he would do if he were president. He's been on news programs, done podcasts, and other virtual engagements, but an image is forming that may come back to him. While he is bunkered, Trump is the man in the arena. President Trump refuses to wear masks, He's not very good at physical distancing during his almost daily press briefings. And while his comments and actions are open for scrutiny, he's clearly projecting an image of strength, which is an appealing quality during a crisis. At some point, Biden has to get back on the field. But when can he do that without sending the wrong message on social distancing, not to mention endangering his own health? Another problem is that Biden still lags far behind Trump in raising money. He has only about $20 million, while Trump has 10 times that amount. Now that Sanders has conceded, we might see more money flow to Biden, but that hasn't happened yet.
0: Now that Bernie Sanders has withdrawn from the race and endorsed Joe Biden, do you think his supporters will vote for Biden? The endorsement itself was a sign of the times. They did it live streaming from
1: different locations that had to be a first. Remember back in 2016, Bernie Sanders didn't give up until July. And even when he did, his support for Hillary Clinton was lukewarm at best. This time, he threw in the towel in April. And there seems to be a much better vibe between the two men than Sanders had with Clinton, which is a bit of an understatement. Let's go back to the discussion around swing states. Donald Trump won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan by a combined total of 50,000 votes. It's estimated that 12% of Sanders supporters voted for Trump. If that number had been cut in half, the election would have gone the other way. I'm expecting Biden to make some promises to Sanders on the policy front, and maybe even offer him a key position in his administration. Biden knows that he needs Bernie's support and his supporters' votes to win in those swing states. Now, will they vote for Biden? Well, last time, those who voted for Donald Trump weren't quite sure what they were going to get. Now they know. Back in January, many of them were probably feeling pretty good about their choice. Depending how the response to COVID-19 goes, I suspect they will go one way or the other. There's no predicting which today.
0: When you did a podcast on the election last year, you pretty much guaranteed that the Democrats would have a woman on the ticket. With Joe Biden promising to pick a woman as his running mate, you called that one. Care to guess who he will pick? I'll tell you what, I'll go out on a limb
1: and narrow it down to two. The first is Senator Amy Klobuchar. She is battle-tested through the debates, pretty much guarantees that Minnesota will stay in the Democratic column. At 59, she's relatively young, and she's a moderate who's unlikely to scare people away with positions too far left of center. The other choice I think you could make is Michigan's governor, Gretchen Whitmer. Just 48 years old, she's even younger than Klobuchar and 30 years younger than Biden. Selecting her should move Michigan back into the Democratic column. She's not as experienced or battle-tested as Senator Klobuchar, having never served in Congress and still a relatively new governor. But she is an appealing candidate. So while I make no guarantees, I'll take my chances that one of these two will be invited to join the ticket.
0: Thank you, Stephen, for giving our policy drivers your great insight on the presidential election. And that's it for Drive Time Talks. Policy drivers, thanks for joining this special episode, for staying connected, and for continuing to do all that you do to keep everyone safe, healthy, and hopeful. This is Donna Rudy, signing off from Washington.